Flake, one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family. Whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us to ask about our own lives. What is it that's at the center of my life? Because Jesus Christ says that he wants to be at the center of our lives, and if we ever invite him there, we'll experience real life, both abundant life on earth and everlasting life after earth. Happy Father's Day to the father and father figures in our lives. I'll try to keep the sermon, a sermon as brief as possible so everyone can get to their whatever Father's Day activities there are, which usually involve sleeping in a, in a chair while golf is on the, the TV there. That's about it, really. So, uh, so uh, the one thing I do want to say, in addition to the serve day, we're very excited about the serve day. If this is your first summer with us, if you're uh, newer and haven't been with us over the summer. Summers at DES are a laugh a minute. These trucks over here uh, that are moving portables, I guess, when do you suppose those rolled in today? 9.15. 9.15, right as the service was starting to assemble. Um, and then they always refinish the gym floor, and so that'll happen. And so this year, we're going to use that opportunity uh, to do this serve day. We're very excited about it. It should be a great, a great thing to do as a, a church together. The last bit of church business, so you're just aware, last week we voted about uh, buying the land on South Main Street. The vote came back as a yes, 136-3. to 3 with one abstention. So uh, how do you abstain on a paper ballot? Well, you know, you do. So uh, 136 to 3, yes. And then so the rezoning has started. That happened Tuesday night with the town board. And that went uh, very well. And so that process has started. That train has left the station. And so we'll keep you in the loop as this, this moves forward. But exciting times, exciting times. But we're very glad to be where we are too. And we'll just keep doing the work God has called us to do. So I'm going to start with a question this morning, and you could probably see this one coming, but here it is. Uh, what do Leonard Skinner, Tupac Shakur, Bob Dylan, and the Beach Boys have in common? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Always a safe guess at church, yeah. <laughs> there, none of them are from Alabama, that's true. They are all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All of them have been judged to be exemplars of rock and roll. Now, their music has very few overlaps. Their fan bases have very few overlaps. And yet, in all their differences, those four groups have been, uh, or individuals, have been deemed to be exemplars of rock and roll. Now, of course, Hall of Fame's kind of always work this way, right? It's a bunch of really different people who even in their differences have come to excel at one particular thing. I say this because when we turn to the subject of Christianity, when we turn to following Jesus, living by faith in Jesus, sometimes we think there's a mold that we need to fit. Right, that good Christians will think a certain way, do certain things a certain way, will achieve certain milestones by a certain period of time. Do you ever feel this sort of pressure? Or do you know people who feel this sort of pressure to, to fit a very clear mold of what a good Christian is? 
you will be glad to know, as best I can find, there is no Christian Hall of Fame. If there ever is, I think there should only be one inductee. But, any guesses who the inductee would be, H.C.? Jesus, so very good. <laughs> but, there is a passage in the Bible that kind of reads like a Hall of Fame. It's not a Hall of Fame, but it is people who were exemplary in how they lived by faith. And the passage is Hebrews chapter 11. So for the summer, we're going to spend the summer looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and some of the people that it's referencing. Hebrews chapter 11 begins this way, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So what were the ancient people commended for? They were commended for faith, having faith, living by faith. And what is faith? The passage defined it. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. Because which came first, the seen reality or the unseen reality? The unseen reality. God came first. God predates creation. God predates time itself. In fact, it's technically incorrect to say that God predates something because God always has been. God invented time and dates and all that. So philosophically, it's incorrect to say God predates, but y'all don't mind. God predates Time itself, God predates creation. God came first. God, who is unseen, created the world that we do see. And the reality that we see came after. And thus it is of a secondary importance to the reality that we do not see. But so much of our lives and so much of the lives of people we know, it gets caught up in the world that we do see. And the world that we see is important. We need to pay our bills. We need to get our oil changed. We need to spend time with people that we love. These are important things. We also need to be reminded that there's an entire reality we do not see. And that that reality is even more important than the reality that we do see. And so what Hebrews chapter 11 is going to do is it's going to list out person after person after person from the Old Testament, the part of the Bible that predates the ministry of Jesus, person after person after person after person from the Old Testament and how they lived by faith, how they sought God in the midst of their struggles, how they valued the unseen God even above the concerns of the seen reality. Hebrews 11 lists out folks like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. You may not know all these names. You may not know any of these names. Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, that's one of my favorites, Moses, the Israelites, Joshua's army, this is a direct quote now, the prostitute Rahab, that's a direct quote from the Bible, and people martyred for their faith. That's where it ends, is with people who were martyred for their faith. So throughout the summer, as I say, we're going to each week pick out one or two of these folks that's referenced in Hebrews 11 and go look at their lives in the Old Testament and how did they live by faith. Now, I'm just going to tell you something you already know. Living by faith is not easy. Living by faith is not easy. 
And so it helps us to have examples, to have guides, to have mentors who are further along than we are, someone we can look to when we ask the question, what does it mean to live by faith? We can have these guides, examples, mentors within our church family or Christians who are outside of our church family, but we also have these in the Scriptures, in the Bible. We also need to be reminded that we are that person for others. That if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, if you ever come to follow Jesus, there are uh, people or someone, at least one person, whether you know it or not, who's looking to you as their example, their guide. What does it mean to live by faith? And that may be a scary thought for some of us, maybe for many of us, which only reinforces the importance of us having a guide, an example, a mentor who's a little bit further along than we are. This brings me back to the question I started with, the Christian mold idea. Is there a mold of what it means to live by faith? Well, Hebrews 11 shows us that all kinds of people can live by faith. All kinds of people can live by faith. Hebrews 11 points out successful political leaders, then it points out ordinary people. It it points out old folks who lived long lives. points out folks who, who died young. It points out women. It points out men, martyrs, uh, all kinds of people. The point being, all kinds of people can live by faith. You can live by faith. I can live by faith. Then it points out people like Noah. Noah had a drinking problem. Moses, Moses had an anger problem. All kinds of people can live by faith. You can live by faith. It doesn't matter what situation you or I are in. It doesn't matter the ways we feel like we have disqualified ourselves from being loved by God. You can still live by faith. Or the ways you think you've been disqualified from being used by God, you can still live by faith. God is not done with any of us yet. So all kinds of people can live by faith. And then the second piece is that Hebrews 11 also shows us living by faith can look very different from person to person. Living by faith can look very different person to person. I'm going to give you two examples. You've got to put on your thinking caps here. In verse 17, Abraham is commended for putting his son's life in danger. In verse 23, Moses' parents are commended for not putting their son's life in danger. So I ask you, what does it mean to live by faith? To put your children's life in danger or not to put your children's life in danger? The answer is yes. The Bible is pointing out you can't always know just from the action itself. You have to know a little bit of the backstory. You have to know a little bit of the why, the unseen why behind the action that you do see. Another example, in verse 33, we are told that certain people who lived by faith had great success in their life and were able to escape death. And then in verse 37, I'll actually read this part We are told that some people, because of their faith, verse 37, were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I love that description of people martyred for their faith in God, killed for their faith in God. The world was not worthy of them. So, If you live by faith, are you going to succeed in life and be protected from suffering, 
or are you going to struggle in life and have a lot of suffering? The answer is yes. The Bible is pointing out you cannot tell just by looking at the condition of a person's life whether or not they're living by faith. It's more complex than that. You and I, we like to judge based on like external appearances and what we can see, but the Scripture is making clear that when it comes to living by faith, it, that's not the world that we see, that's the world that we don't see, the unseen. This is what Hebrews 11 keeps reiterating, seen versus unseen, seen versus unseen. Now, I need to make a turn because, again, I promised I was going to try to keep it a little shorter today. It's Father's Day. People got to get to their sitting in the chair, you know, watching golf. I'm actually going to a restaurant for Father's Day, but one that's so fancy it doesn't even take reservations. Taco Bell, very good. <laughs> Almost wore the shirt today just to preempt the joke. So I need to make the turn before we get too fidgety about this, but um, the, the question would be, okay, that's great. All kinds of people can live by faith, and faith can look different from situation to situation great. How do you actually do that? Right? That's nice to know. That's important to know. Okay, I feel included. Great. But how do you actually live by faith if, if all kinds of people can do it and it can look different situation to situation? How do you actually do that? Isn't, isn't there some kind of like core essence of what it means to live by faith that could look different situation to situation? And the, that, yes, you are correct. There is some kind of a core essence to what it means to live by faith. So I'm going to point out three things that Hebrews 11 says as part of that core essence of living by faith. And then in the weeks ahead, we'll kind of watch how living by faith plays out in the lives of other people. So what does it look like to live by faith? Number one, number one, number, 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 number one. What does it mean to live by faith? Number one, it means to believe in God. Believe in God. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So this afternoon you'll be out and about. You'll have that glow about you. And someone will say, I can tell you must go to Lake Forest Davidson. You have that glow about you. And you'll say, I do. And I, we have services at 8, 15, 9, 30, and 11. You're always ready. Always ready. And then the person will say, well, what did you learn about at church today? And you'll say, we learned to believe in God. Whoa, it's pretty deep. That'll be unexpected for them. So this is kind of basic, right? Believe in, believe in God. But when you're trying to build a house, the first thing to do is kind of boring. It's basic. You lay a good foundation. And number two is going to build on number one, and number three is going to build on number two. So this is just kind of the foundation. Where do we build the foundation of living by faith? The foundation is, number one, to believe in God, that God exists, that there is an unseen reality, and that the unseen reality is more important than the seen reality. This is the first step of living by faith. I've never seen an electron, but I'm sure it exists. Electrons are a logical necessity. I've never seen love, but I'm sure it exists. I have seen its effect. I have seen its impact. Living by faith starts with something similar to this. Whether as a logical necessity or because you've seen the impact of it, you know, of God, you come to believe in God. That there is a God. That there is an ultimate and an unseen reality that God exists. And then number two, what does it mean to live by faith? 
Trust that seeking God and God's path is the best way to live. Trust that seeking God and God's path is the best way to live. You'll remember that Hebrews 11:6 said that in order to please God, we must believe He exists, but that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So living by faith does not stop at thinking God exists. It starts there, but there's other steps. Living by faith involves believing in God's good character, that God is good, that God is for us, that God is not against us. Living by faith involves trusting that God is good. Now, that doesn't mean that the world is always good or that life is always good. It doesn't mean that God's people are always good. It doesn't mean that God is a pushover. But if you and I could strip away all the complexities of living in a world that's in rebellion against God, if we could strip away those complexities and just drill down into God's character, what we would find is that God is good. Living by faith begins to satisfy deep longings for God to exist, for God to be good. And because God exists, because God is good, it's right for us to seek out God to seek out God, to seek out God's ways. This is the best way to live. It's not a fool's errand. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of a life. In fact, it is the best use of a life. Because if you're anything like me, you regularly find yourselves in situations where the easiest thing to do would be to not do it God's way. Not seek God, not seek out God's ways, just solve it. The best way I could deal with that person or that situation is to kind of move Jesus over in the corner for a little while, have somebody cover his eyes up, and then I'm just going to solve this thing. That's the easiest way sometimes, but is it the best way? What's the best way? These become defining moments of living by faith. And you may be in one of those defining moments right now. You may find yourself in a defining moment soon. But in these moments, we pause and we ask ourselves, not what's the easy way, what's the easy way to do it, but what's the best way? Who has my best interest at heart? Who has your best interest at heart? So that's number two. Number three, number three, finally, finally, how does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to live by faith? Number three, value the unseen reality over the seen reality. So you kind of see how these start to build on top of themselves. A belief that God exists over time can become a trust of God, of God's goodness, of God's character, of God's ways. And then that trust of God, that relationship with God, begins to alter our value system. We start to put more stock in what we can't see instead of what we can see. We come to value God. We come to value God's way, even when it's harder, even if it leads to suffering. We come to value the unseen first and foremost, even when the seen is right in front of us. I have the opportunity to watch this play out in people's lives all the time. It's one of the perks of, of, the, uh, of the job. A real recent example came. Uh, we had a, um, a couple in our church who sold their part of a business that they started. And they met with me simply to say, hey, there's about to be a check and it's not a mistake. Now, that's like the best pastoral meeting you could ever have. 
Now, I loved pastoral meetings with other folks too, but that was a really good one to get to have. Because these folks uh, believed, and, and, and I believe as well, the Scripture says that we give the first 10% back to God's work in the world as our way to rem- remember that it's all from God anyway. Now, it's one thing to think that or to believe that. It's a different thing when the number hits your bank account to actually do something about it. And that's what these, these folks did. Now, when you start your own business, and some of us have done this or helped start a church or whatever, like, that sits right here. You feel that deeply. And so you could imagine folks being like, man, I, I put a lot of work into this thing. And, and from the perspective of a seen reality, you know, you'd be like, man, use all that money, go to Tahiti, p- put it against retirement, buy pudding pops, do anything with it, except give it away. You worked hard for that. But what's happened in the life of this couple is, is that the, the, the seen reality has become secondary to the unseen reality. There's examples of this throughout the Bible. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. It's really hard to start building an ark when there's not a cloud in the sky. Because people are going to walk by and say, you're wasting your time. There's not a cloud in the sky. But God had told him about a flood, and Noah started building. He valued the unseen over the seen. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, is told by God, go to a place, and this is the quote, that I will show you. Now, I like specifics, personally. That's not very specific. And in fact, there was no timetable given of how long it would take him to get there. So they're packing boxes, and people would say, hey, where are you going? We don't know. And there weren't very many boxes, because they had to carry them themselves, but where are you going? We don't know. How long is it going to take you to get there? We don't know. Now, how does that play out in the scene reality? That's not going to play out very well. People are going to say, Abraham, what you're doing is irresponsible. Your kids need stability. Don't come crying to me if this doesn't turn out well. And honestly, honestly, I agree with that sentiment. Except that God told him to do it except that God told him to do it. And Abraham had come to value the unseen over the seen. It seems crazy to go to an unspecified place. What a waste of a life. It seems crazy to help others grow spiritually. Like, what a waste of time. To come set these chairs out so people can worship. What, don't you have anything else to do early in the morning? It's crazy to give generously. What a, what a waste of money. It's crazy to, to have integrity when faced with hardship and suffering. Just look out for yourself. It's crazy, but it's crazy to who? It's crazy, but by what value system? And this is what Hebrews 11 is trying to get you and me to wrestle with. By what value system? By which value system, by whose value system are you and I going to live? By the seen or by the unseen? The seen or the unseen? 
Now, in case you're not the best reader, here's the good thing about Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 12 summarizes a lot of it in the first few verses. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then the passage continues, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For all the guides, for all the mentors that you and I can have, there is none better than Jesus. I got there. There is none better than Jesus. He is the pioneer. He is the perfecter of faith. Jesus lives by faith in a way that no one else ever will, so that you and I in our moments of weakness or in our days of weakness, or our weeks of weakness, or our months of weakness, when we doubt God's existence, when we doubt God's goodness, when we've let the values of the seen reality trump the values of the unseen reality, Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It doesn't say to give up on yourself. It doesn't say to resort to sheer willpower. It doesn't say to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't even say to believe in yourself. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Realize that Jesus is real. Jesus' deep and compassionate eyes are real. They are so real, in fact, that you cannot see them. He is watching over you. He is with you. He's with you in the moments where you feel like you've let him down. Jesus would love to extend forgiveness to you. Forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is costly. And Jesus would love to extend forgiveness to you, to me. This is what Jesus does. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So as I wrap up my part of the service, I would ask you to reflect with me on this question, that thinking of your life and thinking of Hebrews 11, what are you learning about living by faith? What are you learning about living by faith? And then here's the flip question, and what are you teaching? What are you learning? What are you teaching? So if you don't have a Bible, you can always take the one in the chair as our gift to you. We would love it. There's also like apps you can download for smart things. But what I would encourage you to do this afternoon, this evening, or sometime early tomorrow is to read Hebrews chapter 11. It's a Bible chapter. That's not super long. Read Hebrews chapter 11 and the first part of Hebrews chapter 12, like the first few verses that summarize Hebrews 11. And spend some time reflecting on this question before God. What am I learning about living by faith? And what am I teaching? Whether I know it or not, <laughs> what am I teaching? Because we always want to be a church that makes room in our lives to turn back, to help people who are not as far along as we are. I take that as a sign of spiritual maturity. Not, not the absence of it. 
So what are we learning and what are we teaching about living by faith? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The passage continues, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Because honestly, to die on a cross from the seen reality, that means you are cursed by God and that your life has been a failure. And yet, in the unseen reality, the cross is how Jesus bought eternal hope and forgiveness for all of his followers. And so, the, the cross is Jesus' victory, not his defeat. So, we must ask ourselves, by which value system are we going to live our lives? The seen or the unseen? Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, to talk to God or to listen to God about whatever it is He's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take this quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, there are so many places where our eyes can turn. They can focus on what we have or on what we lack. On our successes or on our failures. And yet we hear the gentle words of the Scripture telling us, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that would be true of us, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus and in doing so, would find ourselves drawing out of deeper wells an ability to love you and to love other people. And Lord, for those of us who are early on in our search or early on in our faith, I pray that we would keep walking this road of living by faith that belief in God would give way to a deep trust in God that ultimately would give way to the transformation of our lives. We can't do that on our own. We can't even be in the driver's seat of that. We need you to be in the driver's seat of that. And we will come along for the ride and do our part along the way. So, Lord, I pray we would make those steps forward today, whatever that would be for us. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.